You're listening to World Building for Masochists. And we're wondering why we do this to ourselves. Look, anything to avoid wrapping all these Christmas gifts. I'm Rowena Miller. I'm Alexandra Rowland. I'm Marshall Ryan Moretzka, and this is episode 14. Have yourself a merry little something. I didn't know that you were going to sing it. I really didn't know that you were going to sing it. And if I had known, I would have objected in advance. <laughs> I, it was it was quite a nice little little number there, Marshall Ryan Bresca. You're multi-talented. We did I, not I know. I so rarely get the opportunity I... to, to sing in these sorts of things. So I'll take it when I can. I was In public, going... in front of God and in, everybody. In public, in front of God and everybody. I was going to be on a panel at Boscone last year that we were just going to like do act one of hamilton and then they were like actually we were told we can't do that and so (laughs) (laughs) and i had warmed up my guns and ships and everything so shut it down fine gosh (laughs) i see how it is dumb con com with their rules and regulations okay anyway so we have some cool announcements. It's the end of the year. Merry it Christmas, is. everybody. Happy New Year. Happy other happy, holidays. Happy holidays and bless us, everyone. Yes. And <laughs> it's about to be 2020, which it means is. that we can spend an entire year making hindsight jokes, which I personally <laughs> oh. am looking forward to. See, first groan of the year. I got it. <laughs> Uh, so with the, the new year coming up, that means that award nominations will be opening pretty soon. So we're just taking this opportunity, dear listeners, to remind you that this podcast will be eligible for the Hugo Award for Best Fan Cast. If you like us, if you want to nominate us, that would be pretty rad. Uh, keep us in mind. Uh, and then do all three of us have awards eligible stuff this year? I believe we do. We do. I believe pretty we do. sweet. Um, do we want to recap that real quick or just direct people to somewhere where they can find out those things? I, I would I say, Alexander Jane Rowland, tell us what award nominatable things you have this, this year. All right. So if you need to reference it uh, at another point, it is my pinned tweet on Twitter. Uh, I have a novel that came out this year, A Choir of Lies, which is, of course, eligible for all the best novel categories. Uh, Related work uh, is an article, Fan Fiction, The Ultimate Free Buffet. Uh, Fancast is this one and also my other podcast, Be the Serpent. Uh, and it's also my second year of eligibility for the Astounding Award, which was previously the Campbell Award right that is correct i've already forgotten the old name (laughs) it has been erased from our collective conscious already (laughs) (laughs) i'm impressed that you're still eligible for 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 the astounding that's 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 amazing alexander two years well i mean because but it feels like you've been around for a while longer than that so i mean maybe that's just me and my but that's sort of the way things are in this business is i'm good at twitter is the thing yes (laughs) yeah but professional sales, yes. I only two years. Cool. Uh, what about you guys, Rowena? What eligibility do you have? Well, I also have a novel out this year, Frey. 
Um, I also just literally, it, it published in December, a short story, um, which depending on which awards you're nominating for may or may not count for professional market, but it is called Nameless in the Winged Court. And I'm really proud of it. So go read it on Beneath Ceaseless Skies. Um, obviously this fan cast. And it is also my second year of eligibility for um, the Astounding Award. So Woo, high five. Get them in now while you can. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I had two novels come out this year. Of Fuck Parliament- off. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he wanted to go last, because he knew that he it's was going to show us up. Yeah, but I'm so no longer eligible for the astounding. <laughs> but you are astounding. I am. Virtual. Thank you. you are. But like my years were, were, were where I was eligible were the years that the puppies attacked the the, the oh, so, yeah. yikes yeah sorry that's what happened but anyway I have two novels out this year they're a parliament of bodies and shield of the people and also the entire Meridane saga is eligible for best series award mm. so if that's a thing you yes. want to look at you know there's there's a there's a direction you can go. Plus, of course, this beautiful podcast is, is eligible for best fan cast. So, yep. please, dear yep. listeners, tell us how cute we are. There was I am always like last year. Uh, Be the serpent was nominated for a best fan cast, and I was just so delighted with the other podcasts that were on the ballot. Like I looked at at the category and I was like, all of these people are amazing. All of these podcasts are really cool. At this point, I don't even care whether or not we win because I'm just genuinely honored to be amongst company. Uh, this wonderful, honorable company of people. Um, so I look forward to another batch of, of wonderful podcasts this year, whether or not we get on it. Cool. Yes. All right. So let's move on to the episode now that we are thoroughly done with tooting our yes. own horns. Thank yes. you for enduring this. Stop now. <laughs> In our books. Oh, there will be more of that in this episode. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> it is happy holiday time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we launch into world building nonsense, I want to know from you two, what is your favorite holiday thing that you do? Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't really do holiday things. I mean, I guess Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving. it involves a lot of food. Amen. And generally, generally, I am a Thanksgiving orphan. So I go to a Friendsgiving or I go to one of my friends' Thanksgivings with their family and con a bunch of free food off of people, which is always a good time. That is brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think so. In terms of like the end of the year holidays, that's probably my favorite one, I guess. Excellent. Food's yeah. a good reason. Food's yeah. a good reason. I'm in the same place. I love doing the whole Thanksgiving meal thing. I mm-hmm. love... I mean, any excuse I have to make a huge feast, I'm going to take. So, but that one's definitely one of my favorites. And back in my, back in my single days, I would be like the one hosting one of those orphans Friendsgivings. Mm -hmm. So, so I would have the excuse to to make all the food. I cooked a turkey for the first time this year and it was a triumph and I felt extremely grown up. And I found out, this is related to holidays, I found out that the best part of being the person to cook the turkey is that you get to sort of wander around your kitchen all day feeling slightly martyrish and just like enjoying being like internally passive aggressive at everybody else who is in your house. Like these assholes better respect and appreciate the amount of effort that I have put in to this bird. I have worked on this bird and nothing else for 48 hours. 
please hold your applause. <laughs> so that that was, as I discovered, the best part of the holiday, and I will be enjoying it every year henceforth. Thank you. <laughs> A new tradition, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that. That is half the fun of making all making all the food is then basking in the the. Yes. Oh my God! You did all this. The adulation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another way to make this holiday about me. <laughs> Isn't that what every holiday is always all about? Yeah. How do I make this about me? How do, yes. and how do we we make holidays in our stories? in our worlds. So, okay, so this ties into a bunch of different things because there's so many different kinds of holiday, right? So there's like seasonal holidays or holidays that are tied to particular religious observances. There's a bunch of political holidays, although really like every holiday comes down to being a political holiday in some way uh, because they're all like reinforcing existing narratives of what sort of people we are and how we live and what is right to do. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's such a, like, cultural enactment about holidays. Like, Uh this is how we, like, present ourselves to one another and to ourselves. It's, there's definitely a performative element of holidays. Right. To be sure. Which is essentially what holiday tradition is. Is like these are the these are the rituals we have to go through, and we just do it because this is what you do. And it is less to do with like is this a thing we actually want to do, or are we just doing it because we're supposed to do it? And and that's right. sort of the fascinating thing, especially for you know people of our age range. All of these things have been like sort of set in stone throughout our entire lifetime. It's just this is what the holidays are. When really most of this stuff that for us are these holiday traditions came about in say the forties and fifties, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it did, and so that's it's sort of fascinating that to us it's sort of this locked in. This is just how it's done. Yeah, when it's really you know it, its origins are in living memory still. Yeah. And I read something actually just today, I forget if it was on Twitter or Tumblr, but it was pointing out the same thing. Like most of our Christmas traditions were rooted in like the 1950s, specifically because people were trying to rebuild a narrative on purpose about who we are in the wake of the World War. Yeah. Or World War Two, And all of these like very tradition that was where we start getting really obsessed with like tradition right because especially in europe all of those countries had to rebuild their traditions from the ground up because they had been like completely destroyed by the world war and so that too is political it's like propaganda but not everything is like that because like there are other places in the world that celebrate holidays that are more like religious centered rather than than having this big political element to it although religion is of course obviously linked to politics as well it all comes down to politics and economics we've said this before taxes yeah yeah and taxes (laughs) (laughs) but i think it's a really good question of asking you know why bother celebrating a holiday at all like why set aside a special day or time like what are the parameters for doing that 
And I think I think it's we talk about Thanksgiving. That's an interesting one to kind of come back to because it's obviously, despite all of the political and historical and religious trappings, is rooted in the idea of harvest. Like, right. hey, we just did a shit ton of work. Yes. Look at what we did. Let's celebrate what we did. And let's also have a big bonanza before it's going to get rough for a few months here. Mm-hmm. And, and so also, seasonality is like a big part of holidays. Right, right. And like we have in, I think, pretty much every agricultural society, something harvest related, some way to celebrate, hey, we're done with the big work for the year. We have all of these piles of food that are about to go bad. Um, we better do something with them we now. Better, we better eat, eat some of them because we're going to be real hungry later and we're going to look forward to doing this again next year. Well, and then like turning work into a holiday too, like the idea of having a threshing party or mm-hmm. um, where I live. And I, I don't know about, about you, Alex, if you, where you live. Um, do you have maple sugaring? Like when the sugar runs, is that a thing? Um, because... It's a little bit more north from me, okay. I think. Because like in so... Vermont, like that'll be a big thing. And that's like, that's like a thing, like sugaring becomes an opportunity for, um, gathering and kind of celebrating and, and getting a lot of work done in some communities. Less so now, obviously, because we just go and buy maple sugar at the store. But, um, historically, you know, you need a lot of people to get together and do this work. So might Mm -hmm. as well turn it into a party. Because it's like easier and more fun with more people. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of fascinating also how in this day and age, all these things that were designated as we need a bunch of people to do the work, so let's all get together. We don't need those. We need all these people together to get to work anymore, but we still have those quote unquote traditions of getting everybody together, even though the work doesn't need to be done anymore. Um, What about other like, are, can you guys think of any examples of holidays that aren't related to religious observances or things like the harvest well i mean again this is this is purely political but you have the ones that are literally about some sort of historical marker mm-hmm. right like like a, an independence day or a bastille day or something like that that yeah that yeah. And I, and something I big happened this day and so let's celebrate that big thing right and i think it's absolutely fascinating what big thing it is the cultures choose to memorialize like you can do a lot of work in terms of what matters to your culture what mm-hmm. matters in this world that you're building by what they choose to celebrate especially yes. politically like i mean we in the united states celebrate the fourth of july which is when we like read a piece of paper <laughs> yeah you know and so th- th- that says something very different from when you have a holiday about a major battle or a holiday about um like i think someone mentioned um the 5th of november right yes that was me that was you which yeah which is like (laughs) remember that time that a guy failed to blow up the british parliament (laughs) which is like oh and like then we're gonna we're gonna make this stroll this straw dummy of him and we're gonna throw it into the fire and we're gonna set off fireworks and it's this avatar of this man that we killed 400 years ago and we are continuing to kill him to this day right and it's just fascinating like you pick this and there's a reason buried in there somewhere of why it is that you know you celebrate signing a piece of paper versus a guy trying to blow up parliament versus like bastille day which is basically like a jailbreak like Mm -hmm. people broke Mm -hmm. into a prison 
And this was a major event in the French Revolution, but it wasn't like it was the major event. But still, that's the one that we're going to go for. And yeah. 14 juillet. Yay. It has, <laughs> it has better optics than the day that we cut off a guy's head. <laughs> Which I think would be the other major option for this kind of context and time period like you don't really want because like there's murder or there's like hey we broke into this like basically a fortress (laughs) but there's also and this is a deeper political level where you get the things being celebrated you get the holiday that's created is about something that isn't particularly important like Mm -hmm. cinco de mayo is not a thing really in mexico because it's like this one really minor battle against the French that, like, didn't matter all that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, so there they don't celebrate, but it became the sort of, like, Mexican-American point of celebration, celebrating a thing in Mexico that people in Mexico don't actually care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and kind of drilling down, you know, we have our big national political holidays, but then... I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I'm, I'm in the Midwest, small town Midwest quite a bit, um, and municipal holidays are like a thing. Like every town has its like bizarre, you know, blueberry festival or pumpkin days or the turkey testicle festival. And I am not making that up. I swear <laughs> to God, I lived like less than 10 miles from a town that had a turkey testicle festival. And this how, was a thing. How charming <laughs> and quaint. Each town has just Lovely. one. Let me tell you about the town where I grew up, Fort Pierce, Florida, where we had festivals or what we were calling festivals, at least, like every other week. There was the Pineapple Festival, the Sandy Shoes Festival. Uh, There was Friday Fest, which happened every month, which was really just sort of like a large nighttime farmer's market with like some bands and a rock climbing wall and a bunch of street food. Uh, So, you know, basically a festival. Okay. Um, And as well as like tiny, dinky little parades for like the major national holidays, which were very bad. It's because Florida is weird and everyone was bored out of their minds and there's literally nothing else to do. So we were like, sure, yes, let's just have festivals every other week. I mean, I think boredom is a legitimate reason for celebrations. And, like, I feel I feel like we can get kind of caught up in this idea of, like, oh, it has to be, like, a major thing. Like, what major political event or what, what religious significance does this have? And, honestly, you can have the answer, we were bored. Mm-hmm. So we decided that the answer was a parade. Like, you can get really, like, cute and fun with it, too, because when it comes down to it, it's sort of, like a in-joke or a meme that got really out of hand (laughs) like we could have a holiday to celebrate greg that time that a goat pushed him off the bridge and it was really funny and every year we make gentle fun of greg by commemorating this amazing event and then it just sort of starts over the generations people kind of forget the meaning of it and then why do we ritually push a man off a bridge every year? We don't know, but it's fun and it's an excuse to eat and drink a lot of alcohol. Yeah, nobody remembers Greg anymore. They just, you know, remember the actual, like, we do, we go out to the bridge and we push a mannequin off. And <laughs> yep. why do we do it? And you can have a lot of fun with, like, 
small towns having their their weird little thing because mm-hmm. why not um i've recently been watching the new nancy drew show i don't know if either of you have been watching that but no. it is it dives into the sort of like this is a small harbor town and we have our weird shit and like there's a whole thing where it's like you go down to the ocean and get a bucket of salt water and you put it on your porch and then in the morning you kick over the bucket of salt water and if it's still water great that's fine but if it turned to blood you're going to die what (laughs) (laughs) but like this is just like one of those like silly things that people do like because of course like nobody like except of course since it's a cw show one of the characters does kick it over and it's turned to blood but you know that's because that's what happens because that's like a plot setup is what it is that's an excuse for a plot setup it's an excuse for a plot setup but at the same time it is just as silly this is a thing we do not because anybody really legitimately expects you know yeah. My bucket of salt water is going to turn to blood. It's just like this crazy little thing we do. Yeah, yeah. Or boredom, but also it can be like distraction from something terrible that's happening. Um, like if you're in the middle of a war and, man, you really just need a boost to morale, right? <laughs> like you come up with some excuse to have a party. Um, or if the kids are... Um, upset about something like you come up with something else to distract them to make them happy and then you sort of keep doing it over and over because it was fun that one time and maybe it'll be (laughs) half as much fun the next time but that's still not a bad half-life for a a holiday Uh, so what about um, in terms of like world building holidays and so forth does every holiday have to include everybody? No. I say no. Absolutely. Tell me more. And well, if you if you even look at the holidays that that we celebrate, some people get like really into some holidays. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has that friend who's really really into Halloween, and if you don't have that friend, you are that friend who's yeah. like really <laughs> into Halloween. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a personal element to holidays. What do you identify with and why? And that can be a real opportunity for for character building. Like, why does this character really care about this holiday? Why do they carry on traditions that other people are kind of like, eh, you know, we left that behind 50 years ago, but I still do it. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for kind of fleshing out differences between characters when you have holidays. And I think we talked about this a little bit on the last episode. We were were talking about religions, and I mentioned that I would really just love to see more variety in how characters react to religious observances and holidays and so forth, where, like, maybe someone is really excited about this part of this holiday, not even the whole holiday, but just like, oh, yeah, I love Christmas because I love getting presents, but I don't love any other part of Christmas. <laughs> you know, like you you don't have to love the whole thing. They can they can pick and choose. Or, oh, I really, really love this holiday, but I hate this other holiday that immediately follows it or so forth. Um, or having mixed feelings about the people that they are obliged to interact with during this holiday. Uh, like family, because family can like be really stressful for a lot of people or with something like christmas you can have it be something like 
I really enjoy Christmas, but I enjoy it in this utterly secular way of just, you know, American getting right. together as family rather than any of the religious elements. And other people will be like, no, we have to be super into the religious elements. And the people right. who go in between on that and that Christmas is the only day they actually go to church all year mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's a really good time to kind of play with the culture that you're working with in terms of you know, most holidays have an element of whatever they were founded on, whether it's religion or a political commemoration or a municipal commemoration, or whatever. And then the cultural trappings that have kind of gotten built around it over time and maybe borrowed from other places or maybe folded in from, we had this immigrant group come in and they did this really fun thing and now we all do it too. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of play with those cultural appropriation. <laughs> yes. And borrowing and sharing. And, and fusion. God, yeah. We don't yeah. remember where this came from. Um, but you can kind of play with, you know, what what do people enjoy? What do people do? Where does it come from? Is what element of the holiday is it playing with? You know, like you were saying, Marshall, you have the people who um, are very into the religious elements of things to the exclusion of the secular elements. Like I have friends who for them, like Christmas Day, that is a day of holy obligation. You go to church on Christmas Day. That is what you do. Whereas most people, Christmas Day is the day you sleep in and eat cinnamon rolls unless you have small children who wake you up at the crack of dawn because Santa came. Yeah. You know, you have this very, you know, varied experience of how do you celebrate a holiday what pieces of that like layering weirdness do you pick out to be important mm -hmm. all right i'm gonna do a really big in my book okay great <laughs> do, it. do it because so throughout all the maritime books i have various saint days that appear here and there over the course of it and how they are handled and how they're celebrated or observed it's different so much for all the different characters because like for a lot of the university student characters a saint day is just like oh it's a day we don't have classes so and the cafeteria all. is giving us an extra helping of slop <laughs> yeah so and then like at one point somebody's like you're just you know you're just you don't care you're just here because there's no classes and he's like no this is my saint day this day is really important to me and says a specific prayer and all that but then i have other things where um the main plot of Lady Henderman's wardrobe surrounds that at this fancy lord's house. He's having a huge party for St. Jontlin's Day. And people are like, who the hell throws a St. Jontlin Day's party? Like, what do you even do? But there's like a very specific ritual. But like, almost nobody does that because mm. it's like, nobody cares about this particular holiday except this one lord who like loves any excuse to throw a party, yeah. including, <laughs> including this one. And then I have in the one that just came out, Chill of the People, it opens with it's a holiday and there's a parade and the store that one character just opened is like having their grand opening. And so it's all that. And then there's this nun who's outside the store screaming at people of like, this is a saint day and you don't even know about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at holidays in my books, actually. I'm also really bad at religions as well. Just because I think it's because holidays aren't really a thing for me very much. Um, and, like, religion definitely isn't. I'm fairly solidly atheist-ish. Um, uh, Atheist-ish. Uh, it's complicated. We don't know shit about shit. Uh, anyway, 
but like i i certainly don't like observe holidays with any kind of rigor and we didn't really have traditions when i was growing up and um we lived apart from all the rest of my extended family uh so we didn't really have anything to build on or to to do that was special on that day other than like hey it's this day great cool it's a day um, we get to sleep in because everything's closed right right <laughs> um so going back to the whether or not people are included in the holiday though because this is a really interesting thing that you can do like having the holiday be for some demographic but not for others in the way that halloween is really for kids you know that's the day that kids get to go around and stay up late and dress in weird costumes and demand candy from the (laughs) grown-ups or how how feast of fools is really about like giving a day for the peasantry to feel like emotions that they don't often get to do like feast of fools is about um how would you describe that it's like turning everything upside down right so like a peasant gets treated as the king and you usually choose like some weirdo to be like the town weirdo to be like the king of misrule on on this day and then everything goes back to normal because this is the day that we we step outside the bounds of propriety and then great we got that out of our system now we can go back to being very repressed I think that's a really good point that holidays often like highlight the difference between normalcy Mm -hmm. and like, I mean, I don't want to go completely like psychological, but what we, we like wish things could be. Yeah. Like the holiday is when there's excess or the holiday is when there is, you know, you get to break a rule is not usually allowed. There is like sexual expression where sexual expression is not usually allowed. There is, um, like performative elements that are not usually permitted and it's kind of interesting (laughs) because we do we kind of play with that stuff and then you get to retreat to the safety of like oh but this is normal now we can we can close that off what's the line for mean girls Uh, halloween is the day that you can dress as trashy as you want nobody can can. (laughs) yes and on wednesdays we wear pink we wear pink and on wednesdays we wear pink i appreciate you so much for being able to quote mean girls just off the top of your head marshall ryan maresca i have layers (laughs) one of those layers is taylor swift it is indeed it is it's there it's there we appreciate you so what I think is interesting, too, is that um, whether or not holidays are important or not can kind of change over time. And I had always heard or understood that St. Patrick's Day was this kind of made up American bullshit from like the late 20th century. Like we re- really didn't do St. Patrick's Day before then. But then I was doing some research on and this is way off topic, but um, the furthest Western um, American settlement during the 1780s, which was near the Mississippi River. And this random note in this logbook from this settlement in 1780 was like on, on March, was it 17th, St. Patrick's Day, spent the day drinking in honor of St. Patrick. <laughs> like the whole settlement of like 200 people apparently just got drunk all day in honor of St. Patrick. And then 
The next day, the note is, spent the day drinking in honor of St. Patrick's wife, <laughs> which I have never heard of. I've never heard of anywhere else. But And these people, they, the founder of the settlement wasn't even Catholic. This wasn't even like a thing. But yeah. for some reason, they That's, decided, okay, okay. We're, having, we're having a rough time. We're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day by drinking a lot, apparently. But that second day, like, okay, the first day, sure, whatever. That second day, though, is the most Irish thing I have ever heard. <laughs> yes. Like, not yes. to make stereotypes about the beautiful Irish and their beautiful country, but like... Come on. <laughs> we had a good time yesterday. He was married, right? I don't know. Probably. Let's drink to her. <laughs> we still have five more kegs left. <laughs> It'd be a shame to let them go to waste. That's exactly the excuse that we once used to have a party uh, at Lily's War, which was the a nine-day camping event for the Society for Creative Anachronism, which happens in Missouri every uh, first two first week of June, second week of June. Uh, so it's very very hot. And one year, a friend of mine was getting married at this big uh, historical reenactment event, and we had kegs and kegs and kegs of woodchuck cider. And the day after the the big party, we were like, well. We have to return the kegs by five o'clock tonight. And we still have like four <laughs> kegs left. So gather everyone who is willing to do some day drinking. Let's go down to the lake, stand in the lake and finish off these four kegs of cider. It was fantastic. It's the most fun I've ever had. But see, then like a holiday, could you could build off of that. But the next year you just mm -hmm. drink for five days. Why? Because that's we just, what we do. We just, every year, we just stand in the lake and drink. <laughs> <laughs> and Until then, you don't remember why. <laughs> 60 years later, people are just, why do we stand in the lake and drink? Because that's what we do, that's son. That's what we do on this day, son. <laughs> Tradition. You know, and I feel like this, this raises a question for me of how many holidays do you have? How many holidays does your world support? Because obviously we can keep inventing them until the cows come home. Yeah, true. Like we can have a, a whole slate full of holidays, but how many holidays do you have? Like, I should really get like... around to like inventing some for my, for in my books. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, because I, really I actually have any. do have like the full calendar. I have the 24 different saint days and a few political holidays. And... But that's just for one culture though, right? That is just for one culture. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Though I do have, I do have some of the other holidays for some of the other cultures. Just I have them like bookmarked there, but I don't have the same level of detail for those other cultures that oh, I do sure. for the main culture. But I do have some of those other holidays, and most of those are like the it's winter solstice, or this is the day that we take somebody out to the field and cut their throat so we have a good harvest. And <laughs> good times. <laughs> And then we drink about it. Murder and then we drink day. about it. Always fun. Well, um, what was the book? Oh, it's Jitterbug Perfume um, by Tom Robbins, where he, I mean, it's its historical fantasy in this sort of weird Tom Robbins hippie-ish sort of way. But it's, one of the main characters is this 10th century king who first flees his kingdom because, like, he gets one gray hair. And their tradition is, when the king starts to get old, you just kill him. And he's like, Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's just like... I'm not down with that. So he, he runs away and ends up in this little village far away from his kingdom. And he's just sort of laying low in that village. And one day they're like, it's the feast time. And he's like, oh, okay, great. And 
joins them all in this big tent and there's a big cake and all the men get a slice of cake and he's eating the cake. He's like, oh, there's a bean. They're like, oh, you got the bean. And then <laughs> they're like, okay, so this is what the bean means. It's like you're like now like the, the festival king. You can like eat anything you want in the village. You can go into any house and do what you want to the people in there. It's all good. And then in 12 days, we take you out to the, to the field and slit your throat. Jesus. <laughs> this it's guy like, just can't get a break, can he? Just kind of like it, like like Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's a holiday. Yeah. yeah. And it is very much this, like, <laughs> should, like, why are we doing this? Because it's tradition. And because we do it. Because this is what we it. do. Right. I mean, and like, like, Rowena right now is making kind of a, a creeped out face. But like, this is a legitimate sort of thing that people do. And there is probably lots of cool anthropological reasons for why things like this proliferate but like we um oh you guys remember the death episode when i got really geeky about like bog bodies and how i i used to like be all about them bog bodies one of the bog bodies that we have is probably a holiday observance um they are a human sacrifice who got dressed up and cleaned up and had their hair done and were groomed beautifully and then they were taken out to the peat bog and had their throat cut and were like clobbered over the head with a club and left in the peat bog to be dead um and so we don't know why this happened we don't know if it was for a holiday which seems more likely or whether it was a specific sort of religious sacrifice to appease the gods or to um give them luck in battle or whatever but like the thing to remember is that we don't always understand the context that other people are coming from or the reasons why they do things but we can usually assume that there is a reason and that it's a a logical sort of reason because people tend to be logical right yes within the parameters that they have set up if you understand those parameters which is kind of what world building is right setting up the parameters and then the dominoes fall where they're going to fall right and if you end up with throat slit bog bodies well that's that's that that's that (laughs) but you have to tie it to that other part where it's like you get to have a really special day where we make you feel really pretty and everything first and then you slit your throat like you, you you get to make it a bit of an honor so that at least your last day is really fun right Right. I mean, so um, if, if you're not going to slit someone's throat, what are other ways that you can celebrate holidays? World's most awkward transition ever. <laughs> Good job, Rowena. You did it. I'm proud well of you. Well done. Right now, I'm. So you can take seasonal symbols and you can combine them with other seasonal symbols to make a larger symbol of something that you are. It's like a. a sort of magic spell that you're doing right like at the spring festival for example if you are um wishing for a bountiful uh summer and a good harvest later in the year you put a wreath of flowers on a cow and leave the cow around the town and everybody touches the cow and tells the cow what a good cow it is and then you kill and eat the cow so that everyone can share in the magic of the cow so you can it have always comes ritu- back to blood, doesn't it? So you, have- <laughs> so you can have ritual, and right. it may involve blood. 
It's all blood, love, and rhetoric. (laughs) (laughs) And Texas. I also like how we brought up um, food, because I feel like at the beginning of the episode, we both referenced, yeah, everyone referenced food as their their holiday favorite. We kill the cow and we eat it food. I feel like food and holidays just, like, go together. Yeah. It's ritual sacrifice with pie. (laughs) It's, It's a good, special thing that makes us feel good and that we enjoy. And it satisfies a, like, deep need, uh, right? Because, like, we have to eat, and we really enjoy things that taste good. And so a holiday, of course you would use this thing that everybody enjoys, because everybody has to eat. It's one of the only human universes that everybody eats. Um, and use that as the, the thing that you're centering the festivities around. And I think it's interesting, too, how much ritual there can be in food mm-hmm. whether it's the preparation or the presentation or the serving like we can elevate the simplest thing and make it a special thing by how we go about doing it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know you have like roast meat is is not that exciting until you have the whole bird and you've roasted it precisely and you put it on the platter and the you know eldest wizened gentleman in your group has to carve it because that's how we do things yeah and you know it it becomes a thing that you know just throwing some meat in the oven isn't right or even just the way that you decorate normal food like we make the same kind of bread every single day but on this holiday day then we are like spending a little bit of extra time on it to make it beautiful as well as the usual bread um like adding decorations on top or like putting slits in the top of the bread to symbolize whatever thing, um, the saint or whoever. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's interesting too, when you get into like, how do you celebrate holidays? Is it, are there things that are, um, participatory or are there things that you're a member of the audience? Right. And Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes in holidays we, we flip those like most people don't sing as part of their ordinary whatever but a christmas carol sing-along is something that people will go and do like people will show up for that and put on their happy scarf and will sing along when they wouldn't usually go about their lives go to strangers houses and knock on the door to sing at them yes (laughs) i i have done this voluntarily i have voluntarily done this as well when i was a child i haven't done it in many many years but it was fun i had a good time doing it and people thought that we were very cute so okay in if you celebrate christmas in mexico they actually do a variant of that which is fascinating and when i was there for one christmas i was just like what is happening because it just sort of happened mm. to my mind spontaneously but this was a, a planned thing where half the people go outside and like stand at the door with the door closed and sing their half of the song of like please let us in because we've been wandering and nobody's letting us in and the people inside sing this like who the heck are you why are you wanna come? and like it's this back and forth song until they're like okay let's open the door and then everything is jubilation oh that's cool <laughs> well and, and i was thinking too like in terms of like plays like there's kind of a history of having um like around Easter having passion plays Mm -hmm. that depending on the culture, you're either watching the play or you participate in the play. Um, I think that dance is another one Uh that, you know, like for example, if 
It's super adorable. My daughter's Min Nutcracker this year. And that's something that we go and we see every year. Like she and I would go and watch the ballet. And a lot of people go and watch a holiday performance, whether it's a ballet or like Christmas the Pops or whatever. But you also have like... Or see a production of A Christmas Carol, even Mm -hmm. though you've seen six billion. Right. But we're going to go again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that becomes kind of traditional to have these like traditional performances. But there are also like participatory things like... You have special dances or um, like we don't do this as much anymore, but, you know, you would have like a ball or a harvest dance or whatever where people get together and actually participate in the dancing instead of watching the dancing. Actually, one of my other favorite holidays is one that I have only gotten to celebrate twice because um, two years ago, uh, my roommate moved in with me and she's amazing and she is Jewish. And so she has hosted a Passover Seder. Uh, at my house these last two years and since it's my house I get invited (laughs) and and it is also extremely a food-centric holiday uh, which is great and well at least in our house it's a very food-centric holiday Um, yeah it's a food-centric holiday yeah yeah yes the only satyrs I've been invited to were very food-centric yes (laughs) yeah and that was also one I like I haven't gotten to participate in religious observances really because my parents were both firmly Catholic and had no interest in that whatever whatsoever. And the first time I went to one, I was like, oh, I understand now why people like this religion thing because it gives you such a wonderful sense of community. And the people that I'm with right now are people that I like and that I would like to spend time with. And the things that we're talking about right now at this table are important and things that I personally value as well as being good things to remember and commemorate. And so, yeah, every year after Passover, uh, my roommate and I sort of look at each other and go, how long is it till Passover? (laughs) She does a very good one, a very, very good one. And Uh, that's another thing of what religion, what holidays can do is a holiday is about telling a certain story. And yes. so it can be about the reenactment of that story, that, which is, again, with in my books, um, I <laughs> worked out like what the what the saint, stories of the different saints are so yeah. that the celebration of those specific holidays can take a very specific form. And the one that shows up in the book that will come out next October is it's essentially christmas in the sense that it's the one where kids get gifts Mm -hmm. but but i do this whole thing about this guy who rescues a bunch of kids who have been like captured and used for slave labor and gets apparently drowned in rescuing all the kids so then they're home like oh i guess that guy died but then in the morning there's like wet footprints in the house and and gifts left uh, at the door I just remembered I have one festival in my books because I specifically <laughs> I specifically needed a phrase to repla- replace his face lit up like Christmas. Mm. And so I was like, okay, shit. I need to be able to have a sentence that means exactly this and that will give this is a great reason to do some world building, by the way, um, that will that will have the same kind of cultural connotation as his face lit up like Christmas without actually being Christmas. So I came up with this whole winter festival of lights and I had no idea what it was about at the time that I wrote it. It took me like two more years to figure out what this festival of lights was about. And eventually I made it this combination of 
Christmas and Halloween. Um, because it's also about a, it's about a woman who got lost out in the desert and, uh, the whole city was supposed to be blacked out except one child put a candle on a, on a windowsill. And by that, the light of that one candle, she was able to find her way home. And so every year we light a bunch of candles and all the children get to go around saying, give me money. Uh, I am the child that lit the candle. Um, appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things you can do in your world building is you come up with that initial like historical story to, mm-hmm. to reference. And it can be something very iconic and simple that you can then you can then distill down to its purest essence to give the excuse to say eat a lot of food or knock on people's doors and demand things or engage in whatever thing you would normally not get to engage in that that you want to engage in whether whether it's greed or lust or sloth or what have you yes (laughs) well and, and and like also just to embrace the weird a little bit. Yeah. Because if you think about, you know, if you're listening to this right now, when it's airing, it's Christmas. And you have a dead tree in your living room. And there are socks hung up somewhere in your house for some reason. And you may have told your children stories about flying reindeer. That is so weird. It's very weird. And if we had put it in our fantasy novels... Everyone would be like, that's ridiculous. That's yeah. the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Who would make up this crap? But clearly we did. And so I think, like, and for being kind of kind of generous about it, the whimsy of it, mm-hmm. the fun of it, if we're, if we're not, just how frigging weird it is. Like, you can do that, and it's okay, and it's fun. And it can add a layer of, I guess, humanity to your world building to yes. have a little bit of what the heck in your holidays but yeah it's taking all these weird things from like old pagan festivals and old roman festivals and old uh nordic festivals and also stuff from a coke ad from 1930 and put it it all together into one thing yeah but speaking of weird things uh i feel like it's been a hot minute since we did any world building for our world should we spend the last few minutes of of this episode doing some of that? I think we should. All right. Yes. Who wants to go first? Ominous silence. Very <laughs> ominous silence right now. Ominous silence. <laughs> okay. Like, nose goes on. <laughs> okay, I'll go first then. I'll go first. I I opened this can of worms. I will not put you guys on the spot. You guys can panic for a second and think about it. <laughs> So I have the nomadic culture uh, of the desert, and they don't have any, I guess they have like lambing season. That would probably be important. Uh, But they don't have like an agricultural like harvest to commemorate. So they would have lambing season and they would probably have the day that they slaughter and butcher some of the animals. Although that's probably not like a day of the year. So that's probably more of a, like, this is the day of the week that we do that thing. Or this is the day of the month, depending on how often they eat meat and how prosperous their flocks are. Uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, they keep goats. They may also keep... Goats. Yeah, I think it was primarily goats. goats. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't think I gave them camels. I think it was just primarily goats. Horses? Eh, who knows? Uh, so, yeah, probably the big one then is going to be lambing season at the, or whatever it is called for goats. I don't know. The day there's a bunch of new baby goats, it's great. Uh, or the season, rather. Uh, and so they probably have some kind of religious ceremony to bless the flocks and the herd. And maybe they pick a specific baby goat to give a special blessing to. And that becomes like the king goat of the herd, like your your special blessed goat. And you have to take a special care of that goat. I don't know what happens to the goat later. Probably they kill it and eat it at the end this of the year. This is really ominous considering what we just talked about. <laughs> about the cow and the sacrifices. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just I'm frustrated lately. I don't want to. Okay. Nothing happens to the baby goat. I'm going to take it back. We're going to, we're going to avert the trope then. Instead of being a sacrifice, this is the one goat that you're not allowed to kill. You have to keep and cherish this goat forever and always. And you can only have one of these goats in your herd at the time. So you have to, like, you don't get a new one every year. You have to keep it and take care of it and love it until it dies of natural causes. And then the next year after that, you get a new special goat. So it, it is it is your, like, mascot goat yes. that we all love and cherish and know. Yeah, that's the one that you can, like, safely name so that you can get attached to it. <laughs> like pardoning the turkey. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so that's what I have for you. Mostly it's about I like goats. It. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I, I, I've, been, I've been now thinking while you were talking. About um, goats. <laughs> about goats. Um, except I wasn't thinking about goats. Cool. Um, so I have my sort of Mediterranean coastal culture. And so I'm going to use that as, as for their holiday celebrations. So it's going to be sort of like... A harvest thing except it's going to be like called like like the day of the winds or whatever but it's mm -hmm. it's to celebrate like the days when like winds are shifting and thus all the boats that were out in the harbors fishing and everything are coming back mm -hmm. and so to celebrate even though it's no longer like you do it specifically when the boats are coming back it's a symbolic the boats are coming back the day they actually have now made this the holiday but everyone goes down to the shore and you light some bonfires on the shore and then everyone like strips their clothes off and swims into the water to like meet the boats but there's no boats but, and then comes back and they cook food on, right on the beach like they've caught fish and cooked the fish right in the bonfires and then everyone eats and fucks on the beach and it's that's and how it's just told. it's just a great <laughs> Family quality time. summer holiday. <laughs> Your face, Rowena. Oh my god. <laughs> and the next day is the festival of getting sand out of all your crevices. <laughs> yeah, the next festival is the festival of bait of that. Where everyone... <laughs> Rowena, take us away from this nonsense. What do you have? <laughs> oh, I have an archipelago. Yes. And I believe I, I had mentioned that um, um, migratory animals would be a major part of the ecosystem and, and the culture because you have things like like birds and seals coming mm -hmm. to like nest or, or breed or whatever. So I think you have a holiday based around when all of the seabirds show up to lay eggs. Okay. And so like the seabirds all show up on like some cliffs or something and they're laying their eggs and doing their seabird thing. 
And um, I think it's a children's holiday because um, eggs, kids, fertility, I don't know. So um, we celebrate the fact that we have progeny. And so we let our kids put on dances the way that some seabirds will like dance with each other. Mm-hmm. So are the they kids... wearing costumes like the seabirds? I think they need to. I think they I need think to be. Yeah. To like a whole feathery so, outfit. Yeah. So so the the kids the kids get to like make their own costumes and for like the, it's like the one day of the year that they're kind of centered in the culture and get to like take center stage and be the ones who are um you know they they get to call the shots and they get to to choreograph their own dances and make their own costumes and everyone's very indulgent of this and and then they all have omelets for dinner okay so to recap we have bird halloween we have beach fuck party and we have christening a goat Dear We're sorry, everyone. Dear listeners, I want you to know, I, I we didn't plan like, these in advance. We go from mine to Elena's, the most wholesome thing ever. <laughs> holiday whiplash. We came up with all of these on the spot and did not think about them in advance. This is the we sort really of didn't. quality content that we bring you every two weeks, dear listeners. Thank you for joining us. And on that note, however you celebrate, whatever you celebrate, have a happy. Have a happy one. Maybe it's just a Wednesday. Have a happy Wednesday. Have a happy happy Wednesday. Have a happy day of Odin. Yeah. (laughs) Good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of World Building for Masochists and letting us help you overcomplicate your writing life. Our next episode goes up on January 8th. We are going to have our first, what is this? A potpourri episode? Who named this? Not me. Anyway, we're answering listener questions. Hopefully people will have sent in questions. We did not do a whole lot of advanced planning with this one, folks. We really hope you liked this episode. If you did, please do take a minute to tell a friend, shout about us on the internet, or leave a review on iTunes. If you've got questions or you just want to tell us how cute we are, there's a number of ways to contact us. We're on Twitter and Tumblr as at WorldBuildCast, and our email is worldbuildcast at gmail.com. We also have a Discord chat room linked on the About the Show page of our website if you want to come chat with us and other fans of the podcast. Here's your cool fact of the day. In olden times, December 25th was only when the partying started. It used to go on for 12 full days. Remember the carol, the 12 days of Christmas? And on the last one, Twelfth Night, you'd have a big party and you'd put a bean and a pea in a cake. And whoever got the bean and the pea were the king and queen of Twelfth Night. And they didn't even get killed. A true Christmas miracle. (laughs) 